This is a HeadGum Podcast. Andrew, I am looking to lead a synthetic life, but I am trapped in the fleshy prison of my body. Help me. What you're going to do is you're going to turn your computer around. You're going to take your pinky finger. You're going to stick it in the Ethernet port, and you're going to get sucked up into a website that I'm going to make for you using Squarespace. (laughs) This sounds amazing. (laughs) This is going to be like Captain N, except with websites. Squarespace is a website that helps you make websites, uh, whether you are converting a person into bits and bytes (laughs) or selling stuff or marketing your brand uh squarespace has got a website for you uh they have easy drag and drop tools that help you build a website claim a domain and you also get analytics that give you insights about your site visitors and how they interact with your content and with your digitized friends (laughs) they have award-winning design world-class engineering beautiful templates and of course 24 7 customer support they will be there to pick you up they have ever for me, it's true. So Yes, when there is one set of footprints in the sand, that is where Squarespace carried you. So if this sounds good to you, go to squarespace.com slash overdue for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com slash overdue, free trial, offer code overdue, 10%. Squarespace. <laughs> Welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And Andrew, how long are your stockings? They're not that long. They're like, they go like most of the way up my, not most of the way, like a third of the way up my calf. I don't know. I haven't taken out a ruler and measured it. (laughs) It's been a while since I've worn some long stockings. It's getting warm. I'm not really leaving the house that much unless i'm wearing like athletic socks mm-hmm. um but yeah i'm looking forward to learning about some long stockings specifically this week because what book did you read andrew i read pippy long stop stocking <laughs> pippy long stocking <laughs> that was, no we're gonna do it that was one take one take we're gonna keep it by astrid lindgren yeah now it's- i do i i think i got confused because i was busy looking at the swedish name oh sure pippi pippi langstrump yes correct mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um this is our book podcast where one person reads a book and tells the other person about it it's a book we probably haven't read before and you the listener get to hear about it we're going to talk about some author information Andrew's going to tell me about what is in the book and maybe we'll talk about why people are still talking about the book here in 2021 uh, i'm trying to think what Pippi what's been Long- your exposure to Pippi yeah. Longstocking? I was trying I, to- in my life because this book came out in 1945, so Pippi Longstocking's been around forever. I don't think she has achieved quite the height of popularity in America as she has in her native Sweden. Yeah, um, though she is, you know, she is of course known around the world. She is. But when I when I was a kid growing up in the 80s and 90s, you know, as a 90s kid, and Pippi Longstocking and Wendy from Wendy's were just these two redheaded girl children. Yes. Who were just kind of t- part of my life by osmosis, I guess. Like yeah. they were both just floating around out there. 
And I guess I wonder if Wendy from Wendy's is a copyright infringement. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm also thinking about the fact that probably at the age when folks were reading Pippi Longstocking, I don't know that I read any, but I'm fairly certain I saw at least clips on television, like either the like one of the the 60s Swedish adaptation or the late 80s musical adaptation. I don't know. Um, but I was also reading a lot of Amelia Bedelia in the ele- in the elementary school years, so I think her, even though she's a, a woman and Pippi Longstocking is a young girl, they've kind of conflated in my brain, probably yeah, based like, on the like the reading level. Well, and there but, are a bunch of of books in this sort of milieu. I'm thinking about Mrs. Pigglewiggle too. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, 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 um, yeah. Maybe a multi book series about kids doing stuff, and it is not. <laughs> necessarily telling one long like serialized story so much as it is a bunch of just little vignettes about this person this like kooky yes. otherworldly person and yeah. the stuff that they get up to i couldn't yeah i i'm excited for this episode because i couldn't for the life of you tell me what happens life in of a, me <laughs> why, are, a, you, why a, are you gambling with my life <laughs> I rolled the bones and you came up. I can't. I couldn't for the life of me tell you what happens in a single Pippi Longstocking story, but I have a pretty clear mental picture of who she is. And the research I did for this episode, none of it felt like oh, like revel. Like I've I felt pretty comfortable with my knowledge of who this character was, but I have no idea like what is going to happen in this book that you read. Which yeah, is kind Pippi of a, a weird place is, to be. Is like an attitude. She's, she's a. <laughs> she's sort of a way. Of, she's a lifestyle. She's a lifestyle, really, brah. Not really. I mean, there are some episodes in this book that we'll that we'll talk about that are sort of memorable, but mostly it's just like Pippi Longstocking goes into an orderly, knowable human space and disrupts it <laughs> with her impish brand of superhero narcissism i don't yeah, know okay, how to great. describe pippi Longstocking. i'm excited to learn about it uh we yeah. should talk about astrid lindgren first um the author of pippi longstocking she was born in 1907 passed away in 2002 was born in southern sweden um after she graduated from school she worked at a local newspaper later moved to stockholm became a topist and a, st- a topist a typist and a stenographer excuse me <laughs> ask about topists. yeah no a typist um she did have a son whom she was supporting long distance while she was working later i think brought him to stockholm while she was living there then she spent time working as a journalist and secretary before becoming an author uh, married, had a second child, Karen, in 1934. This is important because Karen would later help create Pippi Longstocking. Uh, canonically, yeah. um, when Karen was recovering from an illness or an injury or something, um, she was asking for stories and said, tell me a story about Pippi Longstocking, who was not a person that existed. <laughs> yeah, it's another another in a, a long, illustrious series of kids books that get written because people are parents and their kids demand narratives yes correct the ones that exist are not good enough they need you to make up a story right now and i believe the the quote from lingren is since the name was remarkable it had to be a remarkable girl we will return to that in just a few moments um i did find a thing here andrew during world war ii lingren was working so these books were written in the 1940s 
Um, I think the first story that she told Karen was in 1941. The first book was published in 1945. So World War II is happening, and there's a lot of there's a lot of quotes about how much Lindgren disliked uh, folks like Adolf Hitler, and you might be like, she that's was, not surprising. You know, I think but, she was on the right side of history of yeah. that one. Um, I think she was right not to like Adolf Hitler. She worked for the Swedish Secret Services Department for letter censorship. So she was reading a lot of letters coming in and out of the country, um, you know, not only looking for people who may have been helping the Nazis or something, but also reading a lot of letters from folks who were really being hurt by the war and by mm-hmm. what Nazi Germany was doing, um, which certainly informed her writing. Uh, and I think there's a... We'll get to the cases for and against Pippi Longstocking later, I believe. <laughs> but I think it really we'll boils... We'll put her on trial later. I, I believe the two camps, and, and one of them seems to have history's side, uh, history at their back. Um, it really boils down to, like, are you Antifa or not? <laughs> like, are you comfortable <laughs> with uh, challenging authority, or are you really, like someone who thinks that children should respect authority at all costs like that that is very reductive and we'll get into the nuance of it later um but there is some there are interviews with Lindgren's children and there's some first-hand accounts from Lindgren's diaries that do suggest that like the experience of living in Europe during World War II certainly shaped this feeling of like I'm writing about books where I'm writing books where people are like pushing back against people who would use power for evil kind of thing. And it's not even like pushing back against so much as refusing to exist within the system mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not even trying to burn it down necessarily, but definitely, I don't know, definitely causing a lot of chaos along the way. Yeah. Um, a lot of our listeners who are like librarians and children's librarians probably know way more about this than we do. There's also the kind of mid century movement towards a a more open educational model for children and kind of, you know, like recognizing them as people, which was not a thing that was very fashionable at the end of the 19th (laughs) century or early 20th. Yeah. They were only people for purposes of like making them work in your factories and mines in the tiny machines, you know, that needed tiny hands. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, moving towards literature for children that was purposefully entertaining, um, less moralizing and more recognizing of them as as individuals with with lives and and inner stories is something that this is a part of that tradition um other works by Lindgren include the confidences of Brit marie mio my son uh kati in america uh that's interesting because Lindgren was hired to go to america in the late 40s like after the war and was really taken aback by the segregation and anti-black racism that existed at the time and still exists today. And she was like, I guess I'm going to write that in my book. Huh. Neat. Hmm. So you can read about that. Um, Rosmus and the Vagabond, another series that she won an award for. On her 90th birthday, Andrew, she was named the International Swede of the Year. By wait, by whom? I don't know. I just okay. I wrote that down as a weird. Do they, I mean, do they do on every year? Are they still do in Sweden of the year. That's a is good. Is the one that lets people take over its Twitter account? Huh? Is it? I think so. 
That's a cool thing for a country to do. Let me go see. Why don't you go look that up? I'll tell you real quick. She has both a literary prize and a National Memorial Award in her name. She's on the 20 Kroner Bill. There are there's a theme park where they built houses from her books. You can go tour her house. Oh no, they stopped doing it in 2018. That but it was seems, Sweden. That seems okay. <laughs> yeah. Brand takeovers. Maybe we left those behind, I think. Every week a different citizen starting in twenty eleven, every week a different citizen was given access to the at Sweden handle from which they could tweet from their perspective oh boy. as a regular Swede. So I could see why in 2018 you would be like, you know what? This isn't working Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Um, the other lingering thing that I'll just mention, I don't know if you saw this, Andrew. In 1976, she wrote an essay called Pomperiposa in Monismania or Pomperiposa in the World of Money. It was a satirical essay about a children's book writer in, quote unquote, another country. Uh-huh. Uh, that was written in response to a 102% marginal tax rate that Lindgren had been levied in 1976. Yeah. Uh, it had to do with the policies at the time that made self-employed folks pay regular income tax and employer's fees. Yeah. I see no parallels to how current um, self-employed freelance folks are dealing with you know, workers' rights legislation that may be leaving them in the cold. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was like, became this big, like, national figure, obviously because of Pippi Longstocking, and then this became a huge thing. Um, as it, her essay is referenced whenever someone mentions that the Social Democratic Party lost for the first time in 40 years <laughs> the following <laughs> election. And mm-hmm. she also has a, a longstanding reputation as an activist for children and animal rights. Um, and a couple laws like cite influential essays from her. Um, what else about Pippi Longstocking? We talked about the coming from a series of stories she told her kids. It was initially rejected, though she did uh, pitch it back to the people who had published her previous book, The Confidence of Brit Marie, and it won a contest. Uh, there were two other books that followed. Pippi Goes on Board in 1946 and Pippi in the South Seas in 1948. I think there were some others that maybe were published in Sweden but didn't make it to America. I could be wrong. Um, Andrew, the I don't know what it's... Do you remember what her full name is in the version that you read? Because it it does vary based on the language and what the publisher thinks that the readers are like prepared to, to deal with. Yeah, I think I highlighted it. Yes, I did, actually. Uh Pipilata Victoriaria T. Cozy Apple Minta Ephraim's Daughter Longstocking. Okay, so you did get Ephraim's Daughter or something Mm -hmm. in there. Because I read some versions that were Pipilata Rolgardinia Victuala Peppermint Longstocking. Mm -hmm. Where they were like, well, whoever's reading this doesn't know about patronyms. So we're going to leave out the Ephraim's Daughter part. Well, she did... um, say after like right after that long thing daughter of captain Ephraim long oh okay like kind of making it clearer i guess that it's not just like oh a funny thing because i don't think she had named her dad even though she talked about him a lot sure point okay um and the other like we talked about at the beginning of the episode a lot of folks are probably coming to pippi longstocking through the various media adaptations the there was a film before the 1969 TV adaptation in Sweden that apparently... Was there? Because I, I know the TV adaptation got translated and repackaged into yes. a couple of movies when it 
went international. There was a 1949 film that um, Lindgren did not like. So she wrote the scripts for the TV adaptation in 1969 that starred Inger Nilsson. Um, there was a 1985 ABC Weekend special animated version in the States. There was also the 1988 The New Adventures of Pippi Longstocking that was uh, a joint Swedish and American venture. It was a musical huh. film. It was not New Adventures. It was just the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, here's, a, here's a really like Wowzers quote from Lindgren about it. I actually never wanted to make any Pippi movie. The one you're telling me about, this New Adventures, well, this fellow came all the way from America and said to me that they absolutely must make a film about Pippi because for American children, he told me there's only violence to watch and listen to, and they (laughs) needed to get used to seeing someone who was kind, and that's why it had to be Pippi. And I thought to myself, if I can help combat the misery of violence in America, then so be it. However, I later watched the film, and it was so, so terrible. (laughs) Pippi Longstocking is violent, though. <laughs> and okay. in, in some in some ways I can approve of it, in some ways I I cannot. Which I feel like this, that's going to be a slippery slope into the book. Oh, discussion. sure. So maybe if you don't have anything else, we should take a break pretty soon. I'll just say that Miyazaki wanted to make a Pippi Longstocking film um, of Studio Ghibli, Howl's Moving Castle, etc. Yes. And the interme- intermediary company uh, did not do a good job of prepping Lindgren for this meeting, so she refused it. <laughs> and he said, it was pretty obvious you don't just meet with someone who suddenly turns up turns up from somewhere in Asia and says, I want to turn your book into an animation. Mm-hmm. Um, she had big skepticism about animated versions anyway. Um, but some of his research went into the films Panda Go Panda and Kiki's Delivery Service. So if anything mm-hmm. in those films strikes you as particularly Northern European, it is because he was trying to make a Pippi Longstocking bit movie first. Yeah, I can't decide like which which version of the universe is better. The one where he did get to make a yeah gorgeous Pippi Longstocking movie, or the one where he just repurposed bits and pieces of that prep into the movies that people already yes, like. Like yes. maybe we should just take the stuff that we know is pretty good and not like oh yeah, not tempt the monkey's paw I on think this one. I think you're totally right. It did mm-hmm. it did remind me of how there was like that Anne of Green Gables anime that was very popular. Like there's something mm-hmm. about that genre of fiction that seemed to work for folks who were. Adapting. Lucky orphans. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we should take our, our break, and then I want to hear about this book. Andrew, I'd like to tell you about another sponsor this week. Will you let me? I would love for you to do that. Please be my guest. <laughs> I'll put your patience to the test. Overdue is also brought to you this week by our sponsor, BetterHelp, which makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, convenient. So anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating with them in a safe, private, online environment in under 48 hours. You can even send them a message uh, at any time. The service is available for clients worldwide and licensed professionals uh, have a broad range of expertise. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com overdue. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. Again, that is betterhelp.com slash overdue. 
Andrew, I've got another one to tell you about. Is that okay? That's even better than the first one. Oh, good. Okay, great. Do you remember movies? Yeah, they were like long, big, TV, like physically large TV shows. Yeah, I think. it's true. Spring is yeah. here. It's finally getting warmer and folks are making plans to go see movies again. Yeah, people got them shots. People are going out and doing stuff safely and responsibly. It's true. So our listeners might want to make plans to safely go to a theater and catch the film Finding You starting May 14th. Finding You, Andrew. Finding me? Finding You. It's an inspirational Mm. romantic drama full of heart and humor about finding the strength to be your true self. After an ill-fated audition at a prestigious New York Music Conservatory violinist, Finley Sinclair travels to an Irish coastal village to begin her semester studying abroad at the B&B run by her host family. She encounters a gregarious and persistent heartthrob, my dream, movie star <laughs> who is there to film another installment of his medieval fantasy adventure franchise. I watched the trailer and the shots of the medieval fantasy stuff does seem very silly. Like what's the like what is it taking off of the most? Is it like a Lord of the Rings thing or a Game of Thrones it's thing? It's a little or... bit of both. You're seeing a lot of the behind the scenes of like people having big monsters attached to their bodies and stuff it. it's okay, very okay. fun it's sort of like game of thrones meets kaiju yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. as romance sparks between the unlikely pair beckett ignites a journey of discovery for finley that transforms her heart her music and her outlook on life overdue listeners may be interested to know that it is based on a book there you'll find me is the title by romance mystery and ya author jenny b jones so I want to go check that out as well. Finding You is the perfect film if you're looking for something to watch that's fun, lighthearted, and funny. So make plans now to bring a friend, a family member, or even a significant other to see Finding Ooh, You. Romance is in the air. Uh, Finding You is only in theaters May 14th. Uh, for more information or to find a theater near you, visit findingyouthemovie.com. That is findingyouthemovie.com. My stockings are pulled up. They're nice and long. Please tell me. They better not match. They do not match. Okay, good. Then, then yes, you are ready to hear about (laughs) Pippi Longstocking. Okay. Let's talk about this book. This is the very first Pippi Longstocking book and the first one that you and I have read ever. Mm -hmm. Okay. What happens? What is it? What's going on? Pippi Longstocking is... So it is broken up into 10 chapters each of which is like it's all telling one continuous narrative sort of but it's also like every chapter is its own like standalone little story once the few non-pippy characters who you meet are introduced that makes it's that sort of reminds me of how Encyclopedia Brown introduced characters, even though that book wasn't like one continuous narrative, it was like we got to set the character, we got to set the roster, and mm-hmm. then maybe some stuff can happen. Yeah. So the the three most important, well, uh, I guess if you count, um, it, Pippi Longstocking's monkey companion, Mister Nilsson, I do count him. Yes. All right. So that so there are four characters that who you should just be aware of going in there's pippy there's mr nelson the monkey and then there are a couple of squares who live in the house next door to pippy's house (laughs) who mostly exist to be entertained and vaguely horrified by pippy's behavior i dig it okay 
they mostly exist to provide a I don't know like this this is what a this is what a a regular kid would do you know this is what some rule following kid who lived with their parents would do not what Pippi Longstocking would do when she strides into a room and starts lifting people up by the belt (laughs) (laughs) okay so the the first part of the first chapter is kind of dark because it outlines how Pippi is an orphan because her mom died before Pippi was like when Pippi was still a little tiny baby. And then she sailed around the world with her dad on a boat until a storm blew him off the boat. Oh no. And then he's just gone. Uh, he was a ship's captain and sailed the great oceans and Pippi had sailed with him until the time he blew overboard in a huge storm and disappeared. But Pippi was absolutely certain he would come back one day. She didn't believe he had drowned at all. She thought he'd washed ashore on an island in the South Seas and become the island king and was walking around all day with a golden crown on his head. So in her head canon, her mom is an angel and her dad is a South Sea Island king. Yeah. And this is what poor Pippi, I guess, this is the reality that she needs to live in to make the world bearable i i did read, so that's that's fun i did that's fun for kids <laughs> i did read in later in the pippi in the south seas book that she does hear from her dad though the, i also read some interesting essays that talk about like pippi as what if a kid's imagination could affect the world around them and not that that's like a literal reading of the text but like Clearly, she Pippi is wishing things into yeah. Pippi is using the secret. She is, she's she manifesting her father in the Southern Seas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is her backstory. She is an orphan. Um, it's her origin story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't become like a bat themed vigilante because her parents are dead. No. No. She's just Pippi Longstocking. Okay. So she goes to live in a house that her dad had bought a villa villacula dope uh and she starts she just starts living there by herself and billy and annika take or tommy see these names are all it's a (laughs) generic boy name tommy and annika tommy and annika they both take notice of this girl because they were just thinking you know wouldn't it be great if another kid lived in that house and hey now uh, another kid does huh and they go and they meet this anarchist who lives (laughs) next door with no parents and a monkey and a horse Uh, just let me (laughs) drop the physical description of Pippi Longstocking on you her hair was the same color as a carrot and was in two tight plates that stuck straight out. Her nose looked exactly like a small potato and was smothered in freckles. Under her nose was an extraordinarily wide mouth full of healthy white teeth. Her dress was quite peculiar. Pippi had sewn it herself. It was supposed to be blue, but the blue material had run out, so Pippi had to put red patches here and there. On her long, thin legs, she wore a pair of long stockings, one brown and the other black, and she was also wearing a pair of black shoes that were precisely twice as long as her feet. Pippi's dad had brought them for her, had bought them for her in South America, big enough for her to grow into, and Pippi wouldn't wear anything else. So, I guess for me, it's kind of interesting that she's Pippi Longstocking, but she's like got this fire red hair sticking out from the sides of her head, and she's wearing sideshow Bob shoes. Yeah, 
Yeah, she's <laughs> call her Pippi Longshoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she does like from what I read about her and even in this description right now, there's just a lot of like big nonconformist energy. And yeah. and that to my understanding has been her appeal generation after generation. Whether or not she is conforming to Moray's that whatever generation understands, it is just this notion that she is here to buck the trend. She is, and let me let's talk about let's talk about what Pippi Longstocking is. Whoa. I can't accept I can't accept that she's human. Okay. I can't do it. Oh, okay. because let me read you a, a bunch of different vignettes about things that Pippi Longstocking gets up to. Uh huh. And just like mental and and all kinds of other stuff that's okay. going on. Um. So Pippi Longstocking, she she. Uh, is hanging out with Tommy and Annika, and she sees another little boy, uh, another little boy who's getting beat up by a bunch of bigger boys. And this is in like chapter two or three, I think it's chapter two. Um, and she goes up to all these five big boys, and she kicks all of their butts single handedly. <laughs> yeah. And so this now here I'm thinking like. This is she's small and she's sprightly and she's got she's got a an advantage sort of a like a D&D rogue. Yeah. Or that episode of the Pokemon anime where Pikachu can beat Onix cuz it's quicker. Yes. Even I, though that's not how the Pokemon type weakness system works I'm, and Onix would whip a Pikachu dead. Now, uh, yes, <laughs> but the 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 anime Pokemon did set up that Ash's Pikachu was particularly special. Yeah, I guess. So it is not a reflection on all Pikachu, but that per, that particular Pikachu, which had caught the attention of Team Rocket, as you will recall, um, yes. was particularly powerful. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so okay, so she she's kicked these bullies' butts like that. Okay, that's that's fine. It, it, it's a little nonsensical, but she you know she is sprightly and she sailed the seas and she lives by herself and I don't know what her workout regimen is. So fine. Sure. <laughs> Chapter three, the cops come and Uh-oh. try to make Pippi go to school. And so this is what we were talking earlier about some of the things that Pippi does that I can improve of. This is one that I kind of liked is when the cops came to tell Pippi that she had to go to a children's home and to go to school. And she's like, I'm not going to do that. And she makes the cops chase her through her house. And then she, Picks them both up by the belts, like picks both grown adult men up by the belts and throws them off of her property. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I love it. And the cops are like, this seems this seems hard. We're going to go. Yes, I love Pippi. But Pippi Longstocking, nine years old, nine year old child. Okay. Grabs a pair of cops and throws them off of her property. (laughs) Uh-huh. With that, she grabbed each policeman by the belt and carried them both through the front garden, out of the gate, and onto the road. There she put them down on their feet, and it was a long time before either of them could move. And I'm just going to, the illustration here, which maybe you can tweet out later this week, I'm just going to drop this in the slack for you. Please, to please do. show you the, the things that Pippi Longstocking Oh my is god, Pippi depicted doing. slaps. 
oh my god, she has mits, she has mismatched stockings, and she is carrying two cops who look like if Monopoly had bothered to draw cops. Now there are cops. They on look some like of those. if 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 Milkman had been commissioned <laughs> into the police force. These cops, yes, very just kind of. How did I get here? Their arms akimbo, and she is carrying them like she is, like from the planet Krypton, <laughs> like just yeah, yeah. over yeah. her head. So okay, so Pippi Longstocking has beat up five bullies. She's carried two adult men off of her property. Yeah, in chapter six, where they are just going on an outing. We might as well pick some mushrooms while we're here, said Pippi, and broke off a beautiful red death-capped toadstool. I wonder if you can eat this, she continued. You can't drink it, at least. I know that much, so there's no other choice but to eat it. Maybe you can. She bit off a huge chunk of the toadstool and swallowed it. I could, she said happily. So I kept waiting for Pippi to be like, I don't feel so good, because I looked it up, and death-capped mushrooms are extremely poisonous. Oh my god. One half of one death cap toadstool is enough to kill an adult human person. She's Wolverine. Pippi never breaks her stride. <laughs> so at this point I'm I'm wondering like what is, what is Pippi Longstocking? Is Pippi Longstocking a terminator? What is <laughs> what is Pippi Longstocking's deal? Why, how can she do this? Um <laughs> later they go to the circus. And she is because she doesn't know what a circus is. She calls. She thinks they're talking about a person called named Sir Cuss. Yes, I love that stuff. And she keeps talking about how she doesn't think that she should have to pay to see Sir Cuss. And they tell her what a circus is and they go in. And there's this whole thing when they pay to get in where all she has to live off of are these big like gold coins that she got from her life on the seas. Of course. And when people try to make change for her, she's like, what am I supposed to do with all these little crappy coins? You should keep them because I have gold. (laughs) So they all the three of them go sit in the front row and Pippi is watching the circus. But she gets bored and then she begins participating in the circus, causing great consternation to the ringmaster, to the uh, strongest man in the world, strong Adolf, Uh who the ringmaster says that he will give a hundred kroner or yeah 100 kroner bill to whoever can beat strong adolf and of course that's meant to be like hitler i'm so i yeah i'm so well i don't i don't know if it's supposed to be hitler but um that's supposed to be a a, not something that you know normal circus goers are not going to take him up on but then pippi longstocking again nine-year-old girl beats up this guy who's got like muscles the, the, that are literally the size of bowling balls. The book says under I am his skin. I am picturing the scene from the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man film where Tobey Maguire beats, uh, what's his name? Oh, when he has that crappy costume. Yeah. He's got the crappy he's costume. Like, he's like bum fighting to prove that he can be Spider-Man. He's like doing like low rent wrestling. And yeah. it's, um, it's, uh, his name, his name in the film is Bonesaw, but it's the Slim Jim guy. What's his name? Um, Jake Ra- the Snake? Randy Roberts? Johnson? Randy Savage. Randy Savage. Randy Savage. Yeah. He beats Randy Savage in the ring. I'm, I'm, in, I'm envisioning Pippi Longstocking in like a Spider Man role where no one, anticipates her having the strength that she has 
No, because she's a nine-year-old child. (laughs) But you can't do that, surely, said Annika. He's the world's strongest man. Man, yes, said Pippi. But I am the world's strongest girl. Remember that. Okay. And she goes and beats up Strong Adolf. I don't So she beats up a big muscle man. She's eaten... Uh, poisonous, an extremely poisonous mushroom and survive. I think coming into this episode, I was prepared for an eccentric girl who flouted societal conventions. That's what I thought I was coming into, too. I didn't think I was going to meet a member of the Avengers. <laughs> but if the Avengers didn't work for the government because they didn't like all the rules. The secret is I've always wear stockings, Cap. Mm. <laughs> So, I've thought a lot about what I think Pippi Longstocking is. This is your she, hook, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a and, and there's another sequence where they she decides that she wants to go to school because she wants to have a Christmas holiday. Mm, mm-hmm. And if she just if she continues her current existence where she doesn't go to school ever, then <laughs> she doesn't get to have the fun of time off of school okay that's a good point i like that so i like that. she goes into class and immediately the teacher who is trying to be very accommodating of pippi who she's heard of and she just wants to make her comfortable and tries to make her do very basic math and pippi is like i don't care about your math this is stupid i don't care how many apples tommy has and if he gives them to johnny this is dumb and then she draws a life-sized P- picture of a horse on the floor and then she decides that she's not going to do school and she walks out and so she does that she makes she flouts the ringmaster at the circus the last chapter of the book is she's saving kids from a burning building so she like shimmies up a tree with a two by four and then walks from the tree to the house with the two by four and then rescues the kids so it's a it's a combination of Sometimes good deeds often can get like spectators on her side as she does at the circus, mm, mm-hmm. but is forever su- unpleasantly surprising and ruining a lot of like systems that regular <laughs> everyday people exist in. And I, I figure Pippi Longstocking is a Greek god, right? Oh, oh. Pippi Longstocking is a Greek god who walks among us in disguise, forever testing us in ways that we can never hope to live up to. I love that interpretation. Yeah. That she is here to check us in our hubris of the Mm -hmm. man's laws that we have created. Yes. And also to, you know, to see how we treat people in like an un an unlikely guise mm, you know like mm-hmm. when you disguise yourself as a beggar and try to see if people are nice to you and then you kill them all when they're not nice to That's you it. like well, su- surprise butthead hey, i was testing you <laughs> i think that i think that works so like she instead of choosing so like okay so now you're referencing our long read project stop homer time and a lot of what we discussed about um odysseus encountering gods and like caring for the other right so people well, Long- also how every like every time anybody went to anybody's house you just did all of this precautionary stuff yes in case they were a god <laughs> yeah like you were supposed to be really nice to them and sacrifice your good cows and all this stuff yeah it, yeah. it was a whole hospitality thing and so pippy longstocking exists as like are you treating kids the right way are you being right by children 
in particular, which is interesting because like some of the context I was reading around when these books came out, I, I mentioned it before the break. So like I've seen some quotes from Lindgren's daughter talking about, so these books were very popular in Germany. Um, they were less popular in France. There was a whole to do about the lifting of a horse that apparently a French publisher didn't believe. <laughs> so they changed it to a pony for one. Adi- it was a mess. Anyway, um, it was very popular in Germany. And there's a quote from Lindgren's daughter talking about the like post-World War II. They were, you know, r- chucking all of the Nazi children propaganda into the garbage can. And right. so there was like a dearth of children's literature. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the things that filled it was Pippi Longstocking in this kind of like this children first narrative where you could envision what a what a kid would want or things like that that goes along with the broader conversation of like if you're making art for children is it pedagogical and moralistic or is it rooted in what it is to be a kid um and then also well, like think, go ahead like, go ahead, ahead. pippy exists even cuz even when you have literature that's not sp- like moralistic and and teaching you a a clear lesson about being like a rule following kid who does what they're supposed to which is kind of what the mrs piggle wiggle books yeah 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 get around to is she like tricks you into cleaning your room or like eating all your meals That's like you're some supposed of what poppins to poppins is up to yeah mm-hmm. yeah like mary poppins and mrs piggle wiggle are sprites who are trying to get you to conform <laughs> long stocking is not trying to do that no she's not like Pippi, Pippi's thumbing of her nose at the system is not about like, well, you know what? What Pippi is, but she has the value of friendship, or like she's she's particularly nice to a couple of kids. No, like Pippi takes interest in Tommy and Annika because they're kids next door, and she wants companionship, but. She's really indifferent, mostly. And I mean, she'll save like kids in a burning building after people <laughs> explain to her that being in a burning building isn't fun. It is actually bad to be trapped on the top floor of a burning building. Okay. They, she does need bystanders to tell her this, which just forwards my theory of her being a god who doesn't need to consider such things. Sure. Um, but Pippi's just looking out for Pippi. Yeah. In a sense. way that I think is very greek god like <laughs> you know yeah like she dabbles in the affairs of mortals but mostly pippy's here pippy's out for pippy pippy's here for pippy and you can go pip yourself is what pippy would say mm-hmm. um the so like link there was criticism let's get into the case against pippy Yeah, and I I think there's a case against pippy that means you're a cop and there's a case against pippy that just means that you are a historically rule following thirty five year old just to pick a <laughs> just to pick a random example. Like I, sure. I think there's a distinction, but let's get into it. Yeah. Tell me about it. So contemporarily, the case against Pippi, there I found a lot of this in an article on um what is it? Nordicwomensliterature.net. There's a 2012 piece. Boy, that sounds like a, a secret, like red pill forum. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, okay. So, and this is this is contained within an article that is very pro pippy But this is okay, by Birgitta uh, Svanberg from 2012. Nordic women's 
womensliterature.net. Um, she is summarizing uh, the work of a guy named John John Landquist, who is okay. very often cited as the anti-Pippi writer de choice. And uh, he set off the Pippi feud, as it were, um, where he described her as an unnatural girl and with the sensation that. the sensation of something disagreeable that claws at the soul, he said. No normal child eats a whole cream cake or walks barefoot on sugar. Both are reminiscent of the imagination of a madman. <laughs> I'm... I don't disagree with him in any of that. I don't uh-huh. think like he's. Is it he's one of those, kind of right? Is it one of those things where he is like, you agree well, then, with like, him in the observation, he, but you maybe is, disagree is, with him in the conclusion? Yeah, like he he is right, but the difference is in how you feel about the facts that that he has just laid out. Yes, I don't know. Like you were talking uh, in Slack, I think about a more like conservative yep. view of Pippi that was just all about how she specifically broke rules and was rude to adults. And I think that's the cop version of the argument. Yes. Um, the version of the argument that I prefer when I am being critical of Pippi Longstocking in the way that she operates <laughs> in the world as she tests us all and finds us wanting is like... We live in a society. <laughs> like, if everybody acted like Pippi Longstocking, we would be so boned. We can't all be Pippi Longstocking. We can't all be Pippi Longstocking. Okay, sure. And and if we can't all be Pippi Longstocking, then in a way that makes being Pippi Longstocking an inherently selfish act. Ah, uh, okay. And that's the issue that I have with Pippi Longstocking. Okay, okay. Is she cares not for consequences in a way that I find not in like humankind's best interest at the end of the day. Okay, so you so you might argue that she is too libertarian for your tastes. A little, a little, yeah. Okay, okay. I'll and it's sh- like it is like when like Paul Ryan or mm. or Rand Paul like makes a point. says something about how the government shouldn't be or or like they they have some kind of like foreign policy streak or something where I agree with them like a couple of times a year. It doesn't mean that I'm yeah, here to buy into the rest of their ideology. Sure. <laughs> so inter- I I did find um on the Astrid Lindgren the Astrid Lindgren website, excuse me. Um Stieg Larson of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo books. Yes, sure, sure, sure. Noted uh, Swedish author. Uh, did say that his character was him imagining what would Pippi Longstocking be like as an adult. He leaned into it in one of the few interviews that he ever gave. He said, what would she be called? A sociopath? Somebody suffering from attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. <laughs> so Lizbeth Sander, who I think we're we're probably going to end up reading those books in the next you know tens of episodes at some. I point, I think it's Andrew. a it's a, it's a big 
we do big series fiction for milestone episodes, and I yeah. think yeah, that's that, on the uh, horizon. Steve Larson's number is just about up. I think. And I just found it fascinating that he name checked Bibby Longstocking as like I found this anarchist cookbook of a character and decided to turn it into a novel to honor my it, country though. heritage. I get it. I don't think he's wrong. I don't think he's wrong. So the the. I do. Though I do, I do think he's wrong, and I don't think Pippi grows up. I think Pippi yeah. takes on the aspect of a nine-year-old child by choice because she's because that's God. how yeah. she prefers to operate in the world, yeah. and she's actually yeah thousands of of years old. Yeah, and, I think that's yeah, true. Like spraying fully formed from the head of probably not Zeus. That's been done. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Pippi Longstocking's probably. One of Hades's. Oh, I dig it. Or like the red hair. Or like you know? Dionysus was like, "What if I make you over here?" Yes, yes I agree. Um, the the rest of the case against Pippi is some really uh, disingenuous kind of bad faith arguments against instances of racism or other kind of cultural insensitivities in the original work. Um, I'm not going to cite them here because I do think that they are pretty bad faith. I will say that in 2014, there's a New York Times article about some changes that were made to the uh, 1960s television archived versions where they removed like a use of the word uh, her her father being referred to as like king of the Negroes. Which, oh, boy. Which yeah, was, no, you don't want that. You which can't was say that. bad. And nope. also uh, the deletion of a scene where she does some slanted eye stuff, which was also yeah, bad. I could see why doing it in a in a visual form where you can see st- yep. stuff that is happening and where a bunch of people have their like creative fingerprints on it. I can see why that would be that would quickly get into more problematic waters. And I think the the Pippi book itself does because. Pippi does talk about her adventures in in other countries a lot, and there are there are definitely bits here and there where she's like playing into stereotypes. But part of the, I mean, the the point of the stories that she tells is that they are straight up fantastical yeah. lies. Yeah, and so that I, I that I guess covers for it because I don't think Lindgren is like trying to be racist when she's no, saying I, this, no. this thing about a man she so let, let, let's pick this story so this okay. is a, a story that Bibi tells about a uh, a chinese man whose ears were so big that he could wrap himself up in them like a cloak okay and so it, the there's a there's a moment in that story where she you know, refers to the ears as like big yellow sails. And Mm. is that, is that problematic? Yes, definitely. Yeah. But I think mostly the story is just rooted in like, here's a weird fantastical thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not some kind of dig at the size of like Chinese people's ears. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. And it, it, that interpretation, um, and that read, aligns with the family getting on board with these changes to the televised recordings kind of saying that they were willing to make what changes they could 
because they thought that the primary mission of Pippi or the primary message of Pippi was one of like positive empowerment for young girls and anything that would detract from that was worth examining, potentially yeah, yeah. cutting out or otherwise editing to like mitigate harm and like that is just an interesting question about how you keep these works alive for modern audiences if you don't want to just say this is a historic document you want to say like no this is a thing that you could encounter as a as a reader a watcher a, a listener in 2021 um what do you want to change to like make it more accessible and potentially less harmful um, to to preserve the intended nugget yeah. of it and to and to maybe if you can strip away the parts that at the time would have been fine but now detract yeah. from it and this is an in, it's an interesting conversation to have because i don't think that conservatives would take up pippi longstocking no. as their as their they would not like culture war thing they wouldn't but if you're talking about the estate of the author, like the officially authorized steward of this author's works, making voluntary, relatively small changes to that author's like that author's yep. books or that author's catalog yep. in the interest of, you know, showing that they're like paying attention or or like being more culturally sensitive in some way. I bring I bring this up because of the fake Dr. Seuss yep. book uh-huh. debate that is that is happening right come now. Up yeah. Ever since yeah, and we don't need to get into it. But it is I think it's like totally within bounds yes. for again the fully authorized official stewards of these works to be doing that work. And I think it's it's on balance good that they're doing it. Yeah. There's a, there's, I, there's a story going on like, right now about the, the Jane Austen museums and like how they are going to talk about slavery and yeah. like you need to do that. I don't know why you wouldn't. I think, I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's always framed as like a, a cancel culture thing, but no, and I, I think it's exactly the opposite. It, it is making sure that, to the extent that you can, that that work remains relevant and digestible and encourages more people, like more parents in the case of Dr. Seuss or people long talking, like more parents of kids. Yes. To get into it. Like, like there are books that you and I, I think read and enjoyed as kids that maybe we wouldn't necessarily be enthusiastic about passing down to our own children because, you know, maybe there's things in there that we don't want, like subconsciously influencing yeah. them or something. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when a when somebody puts in work to try and uh, address that in in a in a good faith way that doesn't fundamentally alter the you know what the yep. work is, yep. I feel like that is that is something that's worth doing or at least considering you know yeah so that that brings me back to like the case for pippy which i know you wanted to talk about as well um so from the new york times obituary of lindgren there's a quote where she says uh, and this relates all the way back to like what were we doing with children's fiction in the middle of the 20th century um lindgren says bertrand russell has written 
that a child dreams about power as grown-ups dream sexual wish dreams, which is one <laughs> hell of a quote, first of all. <laughs> she says, this is a child... <laughs> This is a child who has power. That is wonderful for children to think, oh, if I were like Pippi, I could say to father, you don't do that. She has power, but she never misuses that power, which I think is the most splendid thing and the most difficult. And every every Lindgren quote you find about Pippi, you will really find her driving home this, this notion of Pippi Longstocking as a person who has power, who does not use it for evil. And it's like the the comparisons to Spider-Man are very basic, but it does feel very one-to-one in that sense of like, this is just another vector by which to learn that lesson. Sure. Um, there's a Guardian article by Emma Sheva that is about the case for Pippi. Um, Pippi Longstocking, a feminist, an optimist, and a free thinker. Um, saying that she is generous, she champions the downtrodden and amuses her sick friends by doing acrobatics at their window, hugging them and even wrapping paper when they give her a present, uh, but going on to say that she she doesn't get angry or offended when she's insulted. She happy She's happy with who she is and what she looks like. Uh, as I mentioned, Brigitte Svonberg earlier talking about a nine-year-old girl who is adamant in her demand that children have the right to protest, revolt, and think new thoughts. And then if you go researching Longstocking, you will encounter Dr. Ulla Lundqvist, um, who was speaking to the BBC about Pippi Longstocking, saying, to me, when I met her, she was just a very funny companion who dared to do everything that I, that I dared not do. She exerted herself. She was self-reliant and strong and very generous and kind. And for the reading child, the generosity, the humor, the wittiness, the adventure is the most important thing. As a grown-up person, I have found other things in her. She symbolizes the emancipation of women. It is very important that she is a girl. The strongest child in the world is a girl, and she came out of the blue to my generation. I did note that like Longstocking was written maybe 20 years after Swedish women had the right to vote, and that's that corresponds pretty closely to American women as well. Okay. Um, and there are a couple other bills in Sweden that relate to women's rights that follow Longstocking appearance by a few decades so you can kind of chart that as well um yeah i just think that she is like this interesting character who is like i don't know i definitely didn't recall her having supernatural strength or i never i had never heard that about pippi longstocking i mean i didn't i didn't go looking for information about pippi longstocking but when you when you have a you brought up Encyclopedia Brown earlier. Like there's just like a baseline background knowledge that I think you would have about Encyclopedia Brown if you just like heard about it yes, a bunch of times. Correct. Like I, I would not I superhuman strength <laughs> and like black block Antifa membership <laughs> were not two things that I would associate with Pippi Longstocking if if I were to make a list of like three things, you know? So, Andrew, I did go to the hero.fandom.com entry for oh, wonderful. Pippi Longstocking. Now, this is an, a, you know, a public wiki that people can edit with all sorts of fictional characters. Well, and fan, fan wikis are 
just excellent. And and in what's, general, what I love about but not, this, but for it's like entertainment value yes. usually, and not like knowledge value. What I love about this is it's not a Pippi Longstocking wiki, which is a little underwritten. If there are Pippi Longstocking fans out there, go find the wiki. Please contribute to it. I think it could be deeper. This is a hero wiki about characters with all sorts of abilities. So there's a thing under her bio that says powers slash skills, Andrew. <laughs> Superhuman strength, sailing, decent swordsmanship, and gunmanship. Yeah, Pippi is if you're framing it and, and maybe we should do this more often, just to close out, yeah. is to figure out what the char- the D&D character sheets for our <laughs> book's protagonists look yeah, like. Uh-huh. I think Pippi's got strength yep. just maxed out, like at 20, at like 20. as high as the game will allow it to go. And when the, and when and the, then, the like, player character was willing to like, whatever you give me, I have to max out strength. Oh yeah, your dump stats are easily like intelligence, wisdom, or both. Like she just, she can't do math. She does have she decent know how charisma, to I think. She no, her charisma's great. Like her yeah. charisma's good, her strength is good. I think her dexterity is pretty good. But well, and constitution also would somehow be at a 20, I think, because she's just like untouchable, but <laughs> that mushroom episode in particular. Yeah, like she's just a great maybe she just rolls really she maybe. has an average constitution, but she rolls I'm, really well. I'm really torn on her wisdom score because I feel like I don't think she has a lot of wisdom. I don't know that Pippi has a lot of wisdom to impart to us. No, but but I feel like wisdom you can depending on how you interpret that ability score, it's like understanding what other people are up to. And I feel like she has a weird sense that can kind of cut through the BS of other people, but maybe it it is reflective still in a low wisdom score. But it's not it, it is she can cut through the BS, I guess, but it's not in service of anything except allowing Pippi Longstocking to continue doing whatever she yeah. wants. Fair whenever point. she wants Fair to do point. It. Um, Let me just close out real quick, Andrew. I'll tell you that in the trivia section of the hero.fandom.com slash wiki slash Pippi Longstocking, um, <laughs> it says, Princess Daisy has some similarities to Pippi Longstocking. That's hmm, interesting. There are three bullet points. They're both obviously tomboys. Yes. Okay. They're both extremely strong. Mm-hmm. They're both very energetic. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's that's the I, whole trivia section on Pippi Longstocking. She is obviously uh, Princess Daisy in another guise. I Princess don't know. Princess <laughs> Daisy from from the so from the, like the Daisy. Mario universe from like Mario Kart. Yep. And whatever. I, it's interesting that she's cast as a tomboy, given that her, like her canonical default clothing, is a multi-layered yep dress. Yep, like petticoat just situation. Like, just yep. like peaches, but it has like short sleeves instead of longer <laughs> sleeves. I think. Yeah, obvious tomboy. Yeah, like ob- she has the, the huge like hairdo thing. Like it's. Obviously yeah, a, tomboy. a tomboy, it says. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just feel like if any of our listeners are active in the hero.fandom community, they may want to get in there. If any of them are active in the Pippi Longstocking wiki, you may want to get in there. There's work to be done. 
I don't have anything else to say. All right, Andrew, who would win in a fight, Pippi Longstocking or uh, Goku? Pippi Longstocking. All right, good to know. I just want to get you on the record for saying that in case we she ever find out. She appears to be totally invulnerable. Okay, I dig it. Um, thank you for telling me about Pippi Longstocking. I'm glad that we learned that she is Black Block and Diva. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Uh, if you, the listener, want to email us about your Pippi Longstocking memories, you can send them into overduepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media. We have those. Um, it's at overduepod on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Thanks to Cheryl M., Lexi, Joe, Emily, Laney, Nora, Sarah, Terry, Nicole, and many more for reaching out in the past week about that. Our theme song is composed by Nick Lorangis. He composes it every week for us to use, and it's the Plays same, it live. same one every it, time. Yep. He does and, a great job. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? They should go to OverduePodcast.com, which is our internet website. Up there we have links to Apple, Google, our RSS feed. We are also on Spotify and Stitcher, and most places where you can find fine podcasts. Review us in Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. Leave, make it a good one. Yeah. Just, you know, real, you don't have to write a long one. Just make just, you know, five stars and write the we really were great to you during a troubling time in your life. And the other people should listen to us, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, you you can email us if you, if you need like specific copy suggestions, you know, we we can provide that service. <laughs> Patreon.com/overduepod is our Patreon. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> you can get access to bonus episodes in our long read projects early if you do that. Um we will be releasing April's bonus episode about a lost cat by Caroline Paul and Wendy McNaughton later this week. Yeah. Uh, that, that one got a little emotional. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's okay. And then also on our website, we have links to the books that we have read and are going to read. You can click those and buy them from bookshop.org. Support us, get a book, support your local bookseller. Craig, you want to tell them what we've got on tap for the month of May? Yeah. We just read Pippi Longstocking by Astrid Lingering. Go listen to it again. I dare you. Uh, on the website, you did put Pippi Longstock, but which may be weird. <laughs> weird, huh? <laughs> Next week, I'm going to be talking about The Adventures of Tom Sawyer by Mark Twain. Next week, uh, the week after that, Andrew's going to be talking about Gaudy Night by Dorothy L. Sayers. Uh, then we're going to talk about Nancy Drew, number one, The Secret of the Old Clock by Carolyn Keene, which is just a name that a bunch of other people used. And then, and on, that is the uh, original yeah. text of it, right? Yeah. Not not one that they've updated since. Yeah, we're, I, I believe I have a copy of the like pre-edit Nancy Drew. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm going to read for that. Then we are going to do a Choose Your Own Adventure Moon Quest by Anson Montgomery, son of R.A. Montgomery, the king of the Choose Your Own Adventure novels. <laughs> and then uh, at probably the third or fourth week of May, somewhere in there, check your feeds on a Thursday or Friday. We will post our next combo, Jagged Little Mill episode, Don Quixote chapters 15 through 27. We are humming through the Edith Grossman translation of Don Quixote. We're having a good time. Check it out. There's knights. There's Sancho's Ponza. 
There's flatulence. There's a lot. It's got the whole pack. It's really got everything you need. Um, Andrew, I turn right, it back everybody. to you, my friend. Yeah, thank you so much for listening to our... This is a genre of overdue episode that some people like and some people do not, <laughs> which is take a children's book and analyze it really over-seriously, initially in a joking way that then becomes... The real Pretty way, serious by the end. Uh, but yeah, here here we are. We are we can only be us. But uh, until we get at you next week, please try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.